Okay, have you got that first slide there, Josh? I want to um, carry on from Paul's word a couple of weeks ago when he talked about vulnerability and transparency and honesty. If you want a title, you can call it Clean Souls. And um, I want to talk about being known and being loved. That whole poem is based on the story in John chapter 4 where Jesus sits down by a well. Uh, it's the middle of the day and a lady comes to get some water. Um, the fact that she's coming at midday tells you something you would not normally collect water in Palestine or Judea or Samaria at midday because it's too hot. What it tells you is that she's an outcast from society. She's not able to collect water with the other women at dawn or at dusk. So it tells you something about this person that he's interacting with. And yes, for a drink, and to her, that's just too much to bear. He's a man, she's a woman, he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. There's all sorts of cultural boundaries that mean that just can't happen, and yet Jesus reaches out to her. I want to go through the lyrics and just kind of ponder on them a little bit, because they come really fast in that kind of delivery, which I love, but it's, it kind of misses it a little bit. So this is the lady talking. I am a person of no distinction of little importance. I'm a person of no reputation to say which is bad. You whisper as I pass by, so she's speaking to most people, and cast judgmental glances that you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. Many of us might know this place. Many of us might feel we are a person of no distinction, of little importance, of no reputation. Some of us might even say we are bad. Some of us might feel the judgmental glances and the looking past rather than the looking at. For to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. Otherwise, what is the point of doing either one in the first place? What is the point of being loved if you are not known? That's just comforting and cosy. What's the point of being known if you are not loved? That's just, frankly, our greatest fear, to be known and not loved. I want to be known, next slide. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth and two ears, but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves and fears. That is you. You want to be known. You want someone not to, you want someone to look at your face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth and two ears, but to see all that you could be, all your hopes, loves and fears. That is in the very core of who you are. Whether you know it or not or feel it or not, you are human. Therefore, that is you. But many of us have gone, that's too much to hope for, to wish for, to pray for, so we don't anymore. Now we keep to ourselves, by that we mean the pain, pain that keeps us in our own private jail, that takes, that brings us here at midday to this well. To ask for a drink is no request, but to ask it of me. In other words, to, to think that I could have something to bring, to think I could have something to offer, to think that I could actually contribute in some way. How could I, since I am unclean, ashamed, used, abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, and a sinner? You are a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. This is about Jesus. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about. You take the time to really look at me. I don't need to get to know me, for to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. This is true of you, of Jesus about you. You know me, Jesus. You actually know me, Jesus. All of me and everything about me, Jesus. Every thought inside and hair on top of my head. Every hurt stored up, every hope, every dream from my past to my future. All I am and could be, you tell me everything you tell me about me. He knows you. 
every thought inside, every hair on top of your head, every hurt stored up, every hope, every dread, from your past to your future, all you are and could be, he knows. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Next one. I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much just for me. There are the brothers, sisters, lovers, and haters who should taste it, who should feel how you forgive me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. In Luke 14 and verse 33, Jesus says this, Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. And Jesus is talking about people who are going to follow him. And up until two weeks ago, I had not thought of what everything meant. I mean, everything means everything. But it was only when Paul kind of opened this up that I realised it. I'd kind of seen it, but not in this way. I'd always thought of that, okay, that's my finances, it's my future, it's my dreams, it's I'm willing to give whatever you want me to do up, Jesus. I'm willing to give wherever you want me to go up, Jesus. I'm willing to give that up. But actually, it says everything. And I'd always seen it in present and future, but it's also about past. Everything includes past. It's not just our material world, our financial world, it's our emotional world. Our memories, our experiences. What if giving up everything you have meant your memories, your experiences, your pain, your trauma, not just your present and your future, but also your past? A few weeks ago, I was talking from 2 Corinthians, where we were told we are to give up secret and shameful ways. Did you enjoy the music you came into? all about secrets I want it to get in your head before you even knew it so there was one song called Secrets by One Republic and there was another one by the Beatles called Don't what was it called Do You Want to Know a Secret I want it to get in your head a little bit I want you to be thinking about it and I want you to go away singing about secrets because secrets are not good for you secrets between you and Jesus are not good we all have secrets, things we'd rather no one knows about us, and yet at the same time, there is a part of us that would love to live life without any secrets. There's part of us that would love to be known. Part of us is terrified to be known, and part of us would love to be known. And we're terrified because we don't want anybody to know, because we fear the judgmental glances and the looking past. On the other hand, there is this idea that if we could just get rid of our secrets, we would feel such a weight drop from our shoulders. It's like, our worst fear, though, is that someone who doesn't love us might find out our secrets. Our worst fear is that we might be known and not loved. It's not even a fear, it's like a terrifying thought. The thought that somebody who doesn't love you could find out those things that you don't want anybody to know, that you would be exposed and feel vulnerable in that way is frankly terrifying. And it's why we clam up. It's why we don't share those things often. When kids talk about secrets, as they do in playgrounds, they say things like, don't give away the secret. And so from an early age, we start to see that keeping secrets is important. And when we do something wrong, and we know we're going to get in trouble for it, we keep it a secret, because we know that if we tell the secret, bad things might happen to us. So we, live, we learn early on 
that you keep secrets because that's good for you. The problem is with Jesus, the exact opposite is true. Keeping secrets is not good for you. The key to being transformed, the key to being made like Jesus, is to do the exact opposite of what you were perhaps taught as a child. Perhaps what we feel even comes naturally to us is to give away those secrets so you can be whole. Hopefully, if you ask my kids what the number one rule would be in our house, it would be this. Be honest. That's the number one rule. Tell the truth. It won't be as bad as if you lie about it and I find out. And I will find out. <laughs> Eventually. Because I do. That, Joshua. <laughs> so we've tried really hard with our kids to go, look, Secrets don't work, secrets don't help, secrets aren't healthy. And then if they do fess up, it's always better for them if they fess up than if they get found out. So they come to learn, slowly, hopefully, okay, if I'm honest, it's better than if I cover it up. I'll tell you when it's worked in 20 years' time, but I'm hoping it might have done. We talk about not giving away our secrets, but that's exactly what we need to do. Because only in the fessing up, as I'll show you later, in our secrets and pain, only in the fessing up of our secrets and the pain, can the grace, love and peace that is already waiting for you fill you at greater depths. But before we get to this, I want to go back to John and chapter 13, which Paul shared from two weeks ago, and I want to revisit that passage and highlight some things, and I want to show you an example and talk about this whole thing about why we don't share. So John chapter 13, I'm just going to pick out a couple of verses, but for those of you who were not with us two weeks ago, it's a story about uh, Jesus and his disciples, and he washes their feet. Very common practice, nothing unusual about that whatsoever in Jesus' day. Uh, They wore sandals, it was dusty, it was dirty, and one of the things you would do when you arrived at a person's home was to wash their feet. In the same way, you might make them a cup of tea today, you got your feet washed. That's just how it was. It's a common thing. Jesus is not, I believe, setting in motion a, a specific thing because as ever with Jesus, it has a multiple layers and especially in John's gospel, there's always multiple layers of meaning when John tells stories. So in this story, there's this thing about washing feet, but actually it's much deeper than that. It also speaks of something. The dust of the day was all the dirt you picked up the stones that got in your sandals and annoyed you. It was a metaphor, a picture for the pain and injuries, not to our bodies, but to our souls. This is Jesus washing off the natural dirt, but also he's going, look, I, I want to help you. I want to get rid of that pain and the difficulties and the challenges. I want to help you, release you and heal you of it. This is not about having clean souls, S-O-L-E-S. It's about having clean souls, S-O-U-L-S. It's about allowing Jesus to clean our souls of all the pain and heartache that sits in there. And this passage is amazing because it shows us two things. First of all, it shows us what, we're going to be li- what we need to be like if people are going to trust us to love them and allow them to be known to us. Because we're, we're meant to be people who are restored to then restore. So what does it mean then? What, what, what will you need to be like if you're going to restore other people? If, if, if you want them to be loved and to be known and you want them to trust you to share with them so that they can be healed and restored, you will have to know some things. In fact, you'll have to know three things. John 13, verses 3 to 4. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. 
Jesus knew three things. He knew where he was from, he knew where he was going, and he knew the resources he had at his disposal. He knew where he was from, he knew where he was going, and he knew the resources he had at his disposal. If you were going to help anybody else, you will need to know those three things, or at least be knowing them, and on a journey of knowing them. You'll need to know your origin, that you are primarily born of God and loved of him from the beginning. That ultimately, no matter how you ended up on this wonderful earth, you were thought of by the Father. And that his love knows no end. You will need to be secure in that love for you, increasingly secure in it, because I tell you, nothing meets people hurting people like a security in somebody else. Security in, not, not in who you are, that just comes across as arrogance, but security in somebody else, that is inviting. That is wonderful. And it speaks more than any words. You'll also need to know where you are going. What is your destination? Jesus knew he was going back to the Father. He knew life was going to get better and better because Father was waiting for him. Obviously, it would be difficult before he got there. But he knew where he was going. You're going to have to know the same thing. Is life getting better? Is the best yet to come? Are the best, most exciting days in front? Or is it just kind of tapering off now into some sort of oblivion? Because people need hope. You need somebody who's got a hopeful future, who's got an exciting future, who sees an exciting future for them, who's full of faith for an exciting future. That's attractive. I don't want to share my secrets with somebody who has no hope and tells me it's all going to go to pot. I'm not interested in talking to you. But if you've got some faith for my future, if you've got some faith for your future and my future and you're believing wonderful things are going to pass, then that's attractive. He also knew what he had. He knew the Father had put all things under his power. Well, what's Father given you? What gifts, abilities and talents has Father given you? Because he has given everybody something. Do you know what it is? Are you using them, developing them, improving in them, investing in them? You see, I believe everybody was put on earth to solve a problem. Because earth's full of problems, isn't it? There's full of problems in this world. But actually, you were put on the earth to solve a problem. The challenge is finding out what problem is you were here to solve. That's the, and it's not always easy. It's a difficulty sometimes trying to work out what, what am I here to solve? You've got to seek it out. It might take a while. That's okay. Keep serving. Keep asking. Keep learning. Keep trying. But if you are going to restore anybody else, you have to know these things deep in your heart. It doesn't mean you can't start helping people before it's all totally clear, but it, it means you are going in this direction. You will go in this direction. I know where I'm from. I know where I'm going. And I know what I've got to give. Which means you know what you don't have to give. And that's good. Because trying to give what you haven't got doesn't work very well. John 13 and verse 15. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, I don't think he, he meant you meant to wash everybody's feet. He just meant, listen, there's a few things he meant, actually, because there's all these layers. One of them was about serving. But it was also... Now you've received it. Now you've been served and washed clean. Go to the same. Now you've been served and you've been restored and you've been washed clean. Go pass it on. Don't just sit there and enjoy it. Put your feet up and watch TV because now you've got clean feet. Go and get them dirty again and find somebody else's feet to clean. And then I'll clean yours again and you'll go find somebody else's. He also doesn't ask them to restore others, to clean others before they have experienced it for themselves. And that's key. 
You can know where you're from and where you're going. You can know all the resources you have. But if you haven't given up your own secrets, why would anyone give up theirs to you? I would never share with somebody who hasn't already shared with somebody else. I just would never do it. If you're not in the process of being restored, then you can't help others on that. And I mean me sharing my things. I would never share it with somebody who didn't feel a need to share anything, didn't feel a need to be accountable, didn't feel a need to... I just would not do that. John 13, verse 6 to 8. Now this is interesting. He came to Simon Peter, so this is Jesus, he's going around the disciples, comes to Simon, who's a bit impetuous, and, you know, says to him, Lord, are you, you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, well, you don't, you don't realise now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand, which could be a metaphor for the whole of the disciples. Eventually you'll get it, boys, just keep going. But... But Jesus says, but unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That, unless I wash you, have no part with me. That's a powerful line when you ponder it. We must allow him access. There are many times when Jesus is asked to wash us. Often, very other people are given us opportunities to cleanse us. He's asked us to give up our secrets so the pain that goes with them may be healed. But many times, many have replied like Peter and said, no, thank you. And I understand that. I've been there. I'm going to talk about it more later. We've chosen for all sorts of reasons to not go through that process. And yet when Peter says no, presumably for all sorts of reasons that he thought were good at the time, he didn't just say it. He obviously had all sorts of brilliant reasons why Jesus shouldn't wash his feet that he thought were brilliant reasons. But to Jesus, none of those reasons were brilliant. And all those reasons were wrong. It says that unless you allow Jesus to wash you from the pain and trauma of the past and the present, then according to him, you have no part with him. That's a pretty major thing to say. It means you can heal the sick, preach the gospel, minister to the poor, but if you want to be a part of what Jesus is all about, the first thing you have to do is allow him to heal you and then go give that same healing to others. It means you can do all sorts of seemingly wonderful God things, but if you've not shared your heart, According to what Jesus says here, well, he can't have any power. Man. Most people get it the wrong way around. They think the best thing to do is put on a big front, pretend it's all good because, hey, Jesus loves them, so what could possibly go wrong? Then they go around healing the sick, preaching the good news, ministering to the poor, all that, and yet perhaps it's possible that they can do all that and have no power with Jesus. It's more than possible because somewhere else Jesus says this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. It's more than possible to seemingly do all sorts of wonderful things to Jesus and not actually know him. Because to know him, you have to share with him. And if you don't share with him, you don't know him. And it doesn't mean that you might not do all sorts of wonderful things. And hey, God will bless it because God's looking to bless anything that's good. But it does not mean those people know Jesus. Not in a real, true, deep, full way. Not in the way he wants to know them. Not everyone who does seemingly wonderful things for Jesus actually knows Jesus. Remember as well that to wash feet in Jesus' day was not just a one-off thing. It was a daily thing. 
This is not about processing this big thing that happened and then living life. It's about living a life where Jesus washes your feet every single day. If you went out and about, you might get your feet washed two or three times a day in Jesus' day. And we think talking to him once a month is all right. It's about daily bringing the aches and pains of life in front of Jesus and allowing him to heal you and restore you. And then from that place, you can go and restore others, wherever that may be and whatever that may look like. This is what we call discipleship. Walking with people who have gone before us, helping us discern where the dust has settled on our lives, then helping us wash it off, as it were. Working out where the pain sits, where the wrong thinking sits, and helping us renew it. This is why it is important. of a figure I know but it's you this is your think of it as your interior life we'll call it that for a non-biblical phrase or spiritual it's your interior life okay it's your emotional life spiritual life mental life whatever you want to think about it what happens is that as you go through life some of us and these stones they represent difficulties, challenges, painful times, painful words, whatever, okay? Some of us, before we're even born, even in the womb, we experience all sorts of trauma. So even before we've breathed our first breath, our interior life is full of some things that are not what God would want. And then as we go through life, we get all sorts of different sized things. Some are just small things, just, you know, but they stack up in there. Other things are big things. And we go through life and it carries on and some of us are aware of these things, some of us can talk about them, some of us are not. And then at some point, we come to know Jesus. And Jesus, in his big dirty bucket, pours his life into us. And Jesus keeps pouring his life into us. But the problem is that you can only hold so much to Jesus' life because you've only got so much capacity. So Jesus just, that bucket just keeps going all the time. The love of Jesus, just the grace, goodness, mercy, kindness, healing, it just keeps flowing the whole time, continually into you. And you can pray, you can fast, you can volunteer, you can do all, you can read your Bible and it'll keep flowing. But actually the amount of Jesus you hold is limited by this container. And the only way you can hold more of him, and therefore express more of him, because as this fills up, you express more of him, there's no point pouring more water in. There's only so much. The only way you can hold more of him is to start to take some of these things out. It's to start to bring them before Jesus, allow him to wash you, allow him to cleanse you. Never seen floating rocks before either, have you? Some floors there. And then, because God has many dirty buckets of Jesus, it means you can have more of him. 
But of course, sometimes what happens is, even after we've known Jesus, we then find that the hurt doesn't stop, and the pain doesn't stop, and the difficulty doesn't stop. And so we, it's like, there's only so much capacity in you. And it's either the gift of Jesus, or it's all the other stuff that's not Jesus. So there's got to be this continual process of you taking these things out, of processing these things, of allowing Jesus to wash you, which then means that he can fill you again and again and again and again. So now you express even more of him. Totally forgot to bring a towel. Never mind. From all I've learned, and all I know, and all I've experienced, this is the way and no more of Jesus. Because you can't hold it. You only have so much capacity in you. But actually, as you choose to allow him to wash your feet, to clean your soul, it's like you do, that's, that's what I know, that's my life's testimony, basically is as I have taken those rocks out, some have been big, some have been little, and some keep getting chucked in, and I keep chucking them out, and they keep coming back, it's like, oh, where it? That's all I know. All I know is that that is what I've done to know and experience Jesus like I now know and experience it. And it just makes sense. I mean, it just it feels, it seems good, doesn't it? Yeah. And yet, many of us don't. Paul said, and he kind of, he said it and then just carried on. I was like, whoa, and I kept that one and talk about it some more. He was like, why would you not want that? And then he just kind of carried on talking. And of course, he just, he just didn't feel to stop there. He, he knows it all. I've learned it all from him, so I'm not saying anything he doesn't know. But I was like, oh. And I immediately wrote down about seven different reasons in my notes thinking about this when he was teaching. Even though when we hear this stuff, we desperately want to. Because we go, yeah, I want more of Jesus. I want the healing. I want to be well. I want to be healed. And yet, there are all this barrage of thoughts and reasons that seem very, very valid to us. That stops us. And much of it is about being known and about being loved. Because our greatest fear is to be known and not loved. And it's this, I think, more than anything, that means we keep our secrets to ourselves. It's this that keeps these stones in here. Because we look and go, but if you knew, if I break this stone open and you knew what was inside it, where does that leave me? What does that mean? What does it mean for my future? What does it mean for my relationship with you? Do I trust you with that? But you see, that's why we need people who know where they've come from and they know where they're going and they know what they've got. Because our world is full of people who have, this thing's so full, you can't get any water in it. But they're desperately looking and going, I want to be known, but who is there that loves me? Who is that I can trust to just share one of these tiny little things? That's what's going on out there the whole time. That's why so many people are seeking so many different answers. That's why our mental health crisis is now upon us in our nation. is partly because people are going, I want to be known, but I'm not loved. 
That's probably a very simpler way of explaining the mental health crisis, but I'm sure it's part of it. And of course, Peter's reaction, like uh, Noah, is a common reaction. Many of us, for all sorts of reasons, which make great sense to us, although apparently don't make sense to Jesus, have refused to allow Jesus to wash our feet, as it were. But listen, I can imagine, if I right now offered to literally, physically wash everybody's feet with water, not everybody would immediately go yes, for all sorts of reasons. It's a great metaphor. Some would say, well, I don't need it, I had a shower this morning. Some would be embarrassed because they didn't like the look of their feet. Maybe they've got a Veruca or athlete's foot or corns or whatever. They didn't want to share their secret Veruca. Well, I understand it, but we all get them. It's all right. But others won't want me to do it because they won't want to bother me. No, it's okay. You're going to be here a long time, Adam. I don't want to bother you with it. It's fine. I'll just go on. Many people would make excuses. Why? Because it feels uncomfortable. Because it's not a normal thing to do in that sense. When do you allow some blokers, when do you allow anybody to wash your own feet? I mean, it's other than if you used to go into a podiatrist, they're the right people, chiropodist, then when else does anybody touch your own feet? Like, I'm ticklish. There's all sorts of reasons, isn't there, that put us out of our comfort zone. But that's key, isn't it? It puts us out of our comfort zone. We often allow our sense of comfort to stop us being washed by Jesus. In truth, we'd rather be comfortable than be clean. We'd rather be comfortable than be clean. Because by its very nature, being cleansed by Jesus is uncomfortable. It is unnerving. It is not a normal thing to do. And that's why many people find it really difficult. And I, I understand that. But, but the issue really, really at the bottom of all, the issue is Jesus puts it in John 5 and verse 6 is this. Do you want to be well? Ultimately, that's the issue. Which is more important? Being more like Jesus and finding healing or sharing your secret with somebody else. And I know, I know I'm simplifying it. I understand, particularly if you have previously shared something with other people who didn't treasure it, protect it and help you through it. Trust me, I get that. I get that. Too many people have taken other people's secrets and just broke them open and then not treat them as Jesus would treat them. And that is appalling. It's a disgrace. And it's a good job Jesus is merciful. Because taking somebody else's pain and secret and then sharing it with somebody else or not helping somebody with it or saying you can't help when you can't, that is wrong. And it leaves people in a worse place than they were before. Which is why you need to know your resources, what you can do and what you can't do. Because lots of people have tried to do things they can't do and then just hurt tons of people. I'm sure Jesus weeps because I weep about it. And I'm sure their hearts were right, but actually if they knew where they were going and where they were from and they knew what they'd got in their hand, they'd know to be able to say, I'm sorry, I'm not the best person to help you. But I'm not talking about being known and unloved. I wouldn't share anything with somebody who just wants to know me and didn't love me. But being loved and known, that's precious. And it's the only kind of knowing I'm interested in. So if I can, if I can finish by rephrasing the poem we started with. It's not on the screen, just listen. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Otherwise, what's the point of doing either one of them in the first place? You want to be known. You want someone to look at your face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all that you are and could be 
all your hopes, loves and fears. But it is not too much to hope for, to wish for or pray for. There is no need to keep to yourself, no need to keep all the pain, pain that keeps you in your own private jail, the pain that's brought you here at this time, in this place. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Otherwise, what is the point of doing either one of them in the first place? You see, one of the things that Paul's taught me and many others is how to love. This is not a place where you are unloved. This is not a place where we do not know how to treat those things. And you do well to be careful with your secrets. You do well to only share them with those who you know love you. But I wonder if sometimes we think there'll be a moment when it will feel comfortable and easy. I have never known that place. I've never known a place where it was easy and comfortable to share my fears, my secrets, my wrongs. But what I have known is that when I've crossed that barrier, the peace, the release, the healing, I can even feel my shoulders drop as I'm talking about it. Sometimes we believe that there'll just be a moment and it'll be really easy. And maybe it will get easier as we journey with people, as we learn and trust, and I realize it's a big thing, but I just... I've said this a number of times, and I realize I am like quite uniquely put together by Jesus. Uh, I don't say that in any way kind of arrogantly, because I don't, I don't mean that. I just mean I realize I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. You know, I'm the guy that came off tramadol in two days when it was going to take a month because I thought it'd be quicker. And it was quicker, I just, yeah, I had 48 hours out of it. That's just what I'm like. And you might say that's unwise. I just know I got well in 48 hours instead of four weeks. So I just want to encourage you. You can slowly get yourself, and I'm not talking about getting yourself off pills now, it's an analogy, okay? Please don't just stop taking your pills immediately. I am not telling you to do that. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just... I just want you to be well, church. I just want you to know the healing and the freedom and the life that Jesus offers. Yeah, let's pray, shall we? Yeah, I thought thought somebody might. For my children, hear my voice this morning as you hear the word from my son Adam. For I am willing and I stand here with you, I walk amongst you, I share my love with you, I gave my son Jesus for you. 
That's how much I love you. My dear son Jesus, I give for you, for I love you. Are you willing to share your hearts with me, to share those deep secrets with me? For I want you to share them because I want to relieve that pain. I want to bring that peace. I want to show you my love and show you that I work in situations that you think are just no-goes and that I'm not going to get through this. I work in them. If you will allow me, are you willing, my children? This is a word for you all to not just hear it today, to listen to it again on the medias, whatever you need to do, but just listen to it again and just know that I am here for you. Listen, children, not just the little ones sat here this morning, but the big ones that I look around. I'm walking around with you right now. I've been here all morning, walking around, stood at the side of you, stood behind you, holding you, loving you. Because I am a God of love who dearly loves his children. And I delight in all your faces. Lift your face up to me. Let me see your face. For there is nothing shameful. There is nothing that you cannot say to me that I don't even know about. For I never, ever reject you. You will never be rejected in my eyes. And with those that I know that love you, your leaders... Your friends, those trusted ones, will never reject you. Share, my children, share your hearts and watch me and let me restore you. For that is my dear heart to love you and bring you through to a different way, to a different mindset. For I will show you and I will do this if you are willing to share. Know that I love you very, very much. Very much. Thank you. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to stay in this place. And if there's something that you want to share with Jesus, you can just talk to him right where you are. And just tell him. Tell him that you don't want to carry it anymore. Tell him that you, you want him to wash this from you. And then the Bible talks about bringing it into the light in 1 John. And if we bring it into the light, that's where God is. And it says if we confess our sins to one another... So this is what we're going to do, okay? I want us to stay in this moment. If you would like to spend a few minutes just sharing with somebody, and it may be we just initially talk and then we find some more time to talk about it, my deal, but I don't want to miss this moment. So this is what I want to do. Faye, would you just come and play? I am going to go up on the balcony. 
And if you can come on, and Tina, if you can come as well. And we're just going to sit there, different ways apart. If you would like to talk with anybody, then just come up there and be with one of us. And you can share it with us, okay? And I want to do it up there, because sometimes when we do it down here, we feel like everybody's looking at us. And it's like out of the way. And then if you need to go, you can go. But please, I don't want to miss this moment. I feel there are, there are some moments, and it, you know, it might just be you going, I've got something I need to share. But I just, you know, if that's you, I, I, I want to give you a moment, okay? So if you do need to get off, please do. But please, if you stay in, just talk in hushed voices, okay? That's fine. If you're going, okay, I'm good, and I'm going to talk to my friend, that's fine. But let's not lose this sense of quietness, okay?